0: Rob Grimm, I have the greatest idea I've ever had.
1: Gary, where are you?
0: Rob, I'm in this place called Easter Island, and I'm sitting on a giant stone head. It is huge.
1: You have got to be kidding me.
0: No, I'm not. The schnoz on this thing is as big as an 86 Monte Carlo.
1: (sighs) Okay, so what's your idea, Gary?
0: Rob, do you have pants on right now?
1: Kind of. I'm in bed.
0: All right, Rob. Big... Heads. Three words. Big heads.
1: Uh, (laughs) that's not three words, and I don't get it. Rob,
0: don't get caught up on semantics. Are you sitting down?
1: No, I'm laying down. It's the middle of the night. All
0: right, so get this. You know how we have this super deal planned for Black Friday, something we've never done before?
1: Yeah, everyone's been asking for
0: it. Yeah, that's the one. Well, I'm talking in addition to that. We're going to give out a special gift with the purchase of our tutorials, and we're going to ship them worldwide.
1: Uh, All right, what's that?
0: All right. Can you imagine if you had a bobblehead of Renee Robin?
1: A bobblehead of Renee Robin? Yeah,
0: we're going to make bobbleheads of Renee Robin. Can you imagine Jake Hicks as a bobblehead?
1: I can imagine that, but I can't imagine Eric Almas as a bobblehead. He's going to hate that.
0: I almost broke a rib thinking about Jake Hicks as a bobblehead.
1: <laughs> I got to admit, that one's pretty good. Eric Almas? Uh-uh. Tim Tatter as a bobblehead? They're never going to go for can this.
0: Can you imagine the sweater we could have on the Eric Almas bobblehead? We could have <sighs> it go up to the chin.
1: You can't be serious about
0: this. Rob, I am dead serious. Can't you see it? All of our instructors have huge bobbleheads. You're on set, you're shooting, and there, you, there's the bobblehead just bobbling around. Uh,
1: no. I No. No. They're going to hate this idea. Rob, come on. I'm hanging up. Good night.
0: Rob? Rob? Rob?
1: Welcome to the RGG EDU Podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with your favorite photographers. Saddle up, mofos.
0: In this episode, we're sitting down with Greg Scobletti, the technical editor, technology editor at Rangefinder and PDN. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. How are you feeling? Good. It's day two. You feeling a little fragile? <laughs> <laughs> I felt better, but I can get through it. Yeah. yeah, these, yeah. these events are a workout. They right? are.
2: It's like an endurance test. It yeah. is totally an endurance test. Yeah.
1: No okay. question.
0: Yeah. Alongside Rob Grimm, I'm Gary Martin, and this is the RGG EDU Photography I'm Podcast. here with you again. You're right next to me. Again, Always. All day long.
1: Always. What a pleasure. I never leave your side. What? Or do what you another? never leave my side? Which one is it? Can it be Both could be both i think it is all right i like that better
0: all right back to greg (laughs) (laughs) Greg, run run us through kind of what you do and for who
2: sure so i handle all the uh, technology coverage for pdn and rangefinder magazines so um, you know new camera introductions new flash technology Um, we'll write about it we'll review it and then um, i also handle all our online coverage for um, for both magazines so it's basically the, the gamut. So for Rangefinder, it's mostly wedding and portrait photography gear. Um, for PDN, more fine art, photojournalism. That's sort of the market focus for Are those. you actually
1: doing testing of the gear and then putting it through the paces and writing about it?
2: Sometimes I test it. We also work with uh, reviewers, outside reviewers, photographers who, who test the gear for us as well. So it's a bit of a mix of my own. So I'm not a photographer personally. What's your background? Uh, journalism. So I was, a, I was a history major in college and uh, sort of fell into technology journalism and um, with a focus sort of on digital photography. Hmm. I was actually right sort of when I started covering photography, it was the birth of sort of consumer digital imaging. So I got, a, got in at the ground floor. Oh, at the right like, time. Yeah, the, yeah.
0: 1974 is yeah, <laughs> a great year. Right, like, like in, the, <laughs> in the late, 90s. So anyway, when okay. the, you late know, 90s. When
2: a one megapixel camera costs $1,000, that's sort of my... Yeah,
1: or right. more. Right? Um, yeah, those cameras. So were...
0: how and why did you get into that? If you're not a photographer and you're doing the yeah,
1: what draws you reviews? to it? Now, um,
2: besides a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an, an enjoyable field to work in. I mean, there's so many, you know, when you've been in the photo industry, there's so much passion around um, not simply the products, but what the products can do and what they sort of empower people to do. And, that, and that's really exciting to be around. So that's sort of um, what's kept me energized about it.
1: What do you see as really being innovative in the market these days? You know, for a while after digital became a thing, it was all about megapixel size. Right. That race has kind of slowed down now. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of innovation in lenses. Where are you seeing things really kind of changing for the photo market? There are a couple, I mean, there are a couple of different changes depending on what side of the
2: technology you want to look at. On the hardware side, um, it's funny, we actually have seen like a not i wouldn't say a resumption of the megapixel war but a real focus on getting a greater speed out of the cameras at higher resolutions so Sony really has been at the forefront of combining really high megapixel sensors with really fast like data throughput so their their cameras can burst at ten you know twenty frames a second um, so there's been a lot of inno- innovation on the hardware side um, with the speed and with processing power, and on the software side we're seeing a real sort of um, Trend towards artificial intelligence and improving, um, especially on the editing side, making your workflow easier through smarter software. And I think actually, right, which the, ones? so like Adobe for instance, yeah. Adobe is really big on now on using neural networks and artificial intelligence to improve things like smart cropping, um, uh, masking, and retouching. And there are all these features now that they're they're starting to learn how to manipulate pixels to really make it easier for you to do things like editing that used to be really tough before
1: so the software is actually going to do analysis and do some of the cleanup and some of the cropping for you some of the
2: crop some of the cropping for you and eventually some of the calling for you um so
0: why would you want it to do some of the cropping for you isn't that such an artistic choice
2: that that freaks me out yeah so the the adobe take on that and is that it's there if you want it to make it easier for you and it's you don't have to use it so it'll for the people that want to save the time in their workflow yeah Don't take advantage of these Well,
1: actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, for um, kind of non-creative purposes, if you're talking about catalog companies or, you know, Amazon that does so much e-commerce, when they're cranking through a ton of images, Mm. they're shooting, you know, thousands of images a week, that might make a lot of sense. Right. Where the software actually will go through, crop out a lot of the the extra stuff, maybe do a knockout of it. Why um, aren't you just
0: doing it in camera, Rob Grimm?
1: Because yeah. I'm, I'm not shooting those yeah. kinds of images. Get it
0: right in camera, Rob Grim. Well, you That's know I do. Preaching, yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: so it's it's one of those things where the um, the end goal is that the software is smart enough to sort of know what you do and what you like. Um, it studies your your the types of edits that you make, and then over time it anticipates what you would do to a given image.
0: So is this in Photoshop?
2: This well, not specifically. This technology is sort of what they're working on right now, okay. but. Um,
0: did they announce this at Adobe Max?
2: They teased some of these features at Adobe Max. And so Adobe has a, a it's called Sensei. It's a sort of like artificial intelligence incubation. Um,
0: it's what we call uh, Rob, actually. <laughs> Sensei. It's a
2: perfect name for me. Yeah. And so, um, and it's in features like auto-tagging and Lightroom. So, um, you know, they use image recognition, which is a form, like machine vision, which is a form of artificial intelligence to sort of examine the content of an image determine what's in the image and then tag it, apply tags for you. Um, But once you understand what's inside an image, you can easily manipulate it. So if you know it's a landscape image, you know, all right, we'll we'll do X, Y, and Z to it. Or if it's a portrait, we can do X, Y, and Z to it. So there's a lot of power in that software. So that's really where I see sort of the innovation on the the software side.
0: I saw what they announced with the uh, audio and voice. If if I get so many words from you, I can basically then just rewrite and make you say anything. (laughs) Which you are going to do for this podcast? Yeah, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's pretty insane. All right, it's, it, no it one's insane. safe. It's, no one is safe. No one is safe. Artificial intelligence. trust weird.
1: I'm just sitting here trying to get my idea, my head around the idea that that the software could learn how I edit, and then start to take over some of that function for me.
0: It, should we be? Yeah, like for the retouchers out there, should they be scared a little bit?
1: Is it? No. Are they coming to no, take our jobs? I, no. no, Is no, no. one of those situations? No, because it's more it's more lower echelon stuff. It can't look at a at a portrait and say, Okay, um there are pimples here that I need to clean up and I'm gonna give it a color grade with, you know, kind of a smoky blue midnight feel. It it can't make those creative decisions. Is that your best feel? <laughs> smoky blue midnight. Yeah. Is there yeah. a better feel?
0: I don't know. I would say smoky blue morning. No Maybe. way. Midnight's way better. All right,
2: fine. <laughs> think of it more i think it's more like a factory um if you have one process that you do over and over again even if it's a creative process um software can pick up on that but if you are very varied in your editing approach if you you know do different things and experiment then you cannot be replaced by software it can't it can't be creative spontaneously but it can detect patterns and then execute against those patterns so but that that technology is still sort of to be developed but that's where things are headed.
1: So you're a technology guy, and you're seeing things kind of going down a direction. Where do you think the world of photography is going to go? What's going to happen to us as photographers? It's <sighs> a, a tough question, <laughs> be a futurist, right? Be a futurist right now and tell us where we're going. Uh, in what sort of time frame? 20 years.
2: 20 years, it's, it's going to look very different. Um, if I think if you're shooting for stock, you're going to have a tough go of it. Um, I think the technologies that I mentioned can make um, – can make images basically from scratch um you know nvidia the gpu uh, company has already demonstrated how they can basically just create photographic images just from these neural networks these artificial intelligence networks that they have so you know i can easily envision a time when if you know you're a stock agency you don't need a photographer necessarily to shoot a landscape or shoot something you can shoot something to spec and just have a computer generate that image for you pixel by pixel i I saw recently i
0: don't know the company but they actually used and uh, created a model and like shot the model. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, I haven't heard. It was like a, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago. And uh, the model is like gorgeous, wearing certain things, and it's just all of it's CGI. It's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I Good. mean, I I see that. Because if the technology gets to the point where it is super easy to kind of pick the, you know, the right model and the right feel, I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, but chip, then, okay. faster. what's
1: real? I mean, in 20 years, if you, if you can create a landscape completely inside of a computer without ever really pulling out a camera and being in a physical place, what's real? What's left? That's a good question. It seems um, like one of those
0: things that half the people would be for it, half like half would be against it, and that's what we're now arguing over in 20 years. Yeah, yeah.
2: the economics will push for the unreality, you know, for, for computer generation because that's, it'll scale easily and, and, and it'll be inexpensive for people to purchase that imagery. But I think that there'll always be a role for human photographers and human creativity. Yeah. But it will be in different markets than it is now. I mean, any, any photographic discipline that requires people skills, so wedding, portrait, I think AI and that kind of technology can't replace that. Because right. there's a human interaction between the subject and the photographer that, that software can't mimic.
1: So look at that. Wedding photographers are basically like recession and future-proof. Right. <laughs> <laughs> newborns, too. It's true. It's, it's true.
2: Yeah. I mean, that kind of technology will, uh, any technology really, always uh, sort of lowers the barrier to entry for photographers. So, you know, it's just like with smartphones. Um, if smartphones can take better pictures, right, every, suddenly everyone's a photographer. But, um, you know, all good wedding portrait photographers, all good photographers just in general always elevate their game. You know, we see that at WPPI where the, you know, the quality of the wedding images are incredible. Yeah, they're
1: getting really amazing.
2: So that's sort of the sort of the killer app so for you So
1: that's a, the 20-year look. So what do you think it's going to look like in 10 years and then in 5 years? Tough 10 years? Questions. Yeah, really. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving <laughs> you <a> softballs <laughs> here. Yeah,
0: really. Putting Scobletti on the side. I want to ah. see if he,
1: can, if he can hit this ball. Well, let's see. I mean, <laughs> you'll see. I mean, I think
2: the... the technology market has been stressed, you know, over the last few years. I think smartphones have really sort of reshaped the, the economic landscape for a lot of camera manufacturers, a lot of, yeah. a lot of people sort of working in the photo hardware space. So five, ten years, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw fewer people in the market, but the higher quality of product. So um, you can already sort of see, at least in some cases, the pace of introductions have slowed down. But the quality of the product, I think, is getting better. Mm-hmm. So I think you're going to just see a continuation of that. Um, maybe camera man- manufacturers won't have as many models in their lineup, but there'll be better models.
1: I think that's a good idea, actually. Because you know Canon and Nikon, I mean, they produce so many different models. People will ask me a lot, hey, what do you think of this camera? I'm like, I don't know, I've never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> it's another one I haven't heard
0: of. It's so obnoxious that they make that many cameras, they're all just slightly different. I, what, what is your take on that? Should, there be, should Canon make that many you know DSLRs?
2: What? <laughs> they obviously think yes, and they've segmented the market in such a way that um, you know, they believe that there is a market for it. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of feature bleed between those, those product lines and, and, and price points, so it's hard for me to, to say, and, and we get this question a lot too. There are so many uh, DSLRs, and uh, you know, particularly what makes them different? It's hard to say. I, I can see them, though, scaling back and, and offering fewer models as time goes on, but not for the next two or three years. All
1: right. Well, let's shift gears, but t- still talk about kind of scaling back. What, where is the, the world of editorial right now? It's very, very different. Print has kind of changed, um, online is becoming more prevalent. A- a- as a journalist, um, what are the changes that you're seeing in your kind of daily life and the way you connect with your audiences?
2: So yeah, one of the, one of the things that we've we've seen is we have to connect with people in more places. Um, so we still have the same number of people maybe doing uh, you know an editorial job, but now we have to be active across not just print but online and in social media and through podcasts, through videos. So the sort of the media landscape has diversified greatly over the last two or three years, um, and it's a good thing. I think we have more opportunities to talk to our readers to sort of learn what what they want to know uh, there's much more of a two-way conversation now uh you know in the past you would produce a magazine and you would never know what people thought of the article whether they liked it or didn't like it you would get you know cranks that would write in the letters to the editor right. and stuff but uh so now we have much more of a two-way conversation with our with our readers which i think is for the, for the good
1: yeah that's interesting i guess as, as print's dying and, and going to digital um, and now it now gives you the opportunity to really communicate with people where you didn't have that opportunity ever before.
2: Right, right. And sort of know what people want to read and what they don't want to read. I mean, that's sort of the beauty of the internet is the analytics are there, and you, you sort of get confirmation of, all right, we're on the right track with this or we're not.
0: Do you think we'll get to the point where there will be, like, the texture? Imagine a newspaper. You know, it's very right. light, tactile. foldable, but it's digital. Do you think we're going to get there in how many years? And it's throwawayable.
1: <laughs> throwawayable. <laughs> throwawayable. <laughs>
0: Throw away. <laughs> uh, uh, give me some years on this. What do you, th- do you think it's possible? I don't
1: know. Um I do I, I don't know how you feel, Greg, but I feel like print could stop. You know, like the, the print magazine could get to a point where it's just too expensive to do and people are looking at it digitally only. Um, a throw away a bowl, which is an interesting word. Yeah. Um digital <clears> That could pattern. happen. Yeah. They yeah,
0: have it in mean, Harry Potter. I mean, why not? You know? but
1: having e-books kind of
2: plateaued you know e-book sales of have...
0: yeah so well, there's... i don't know anything
2: about <laughs> i think there's people. still a market for a tangible yeah. product whether there's yeah. a market and in, in, at the scale that we need it to be a profitable it's anybody. coming back like records well film i mean people yeah. are yeah, people are shooting film back, and, yeah. and yeah there is a there is an appreciation of the tangible i just don't know if that translates over into the print media right but um we're hopeful a couple more years <laughs> At least until I retire. <laughs> in two years? <laughs> You've only got two years left? Nice. It's all so, the Bitcoin I've been buying.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tell me a little bit about uh, PDN and Rangefinder. Are there offices that you guys are all at? It. You guys are all working remotely? How does that... There are
2: offices uh, in New York City. Um, there are several remote workers. So we're, we're part of a larger um, organization called Emerald Exp- Expositions. So we put on um, the Photo Plus Expo Trade Show. Yeah, we yeah. put on WPPI. Um, the company itself puts on loads of trade shows and has other magazines but uh, yeah. so we're sort of the photo silo in that company
0: are you involved in the the expo uh
2: That's, sometimes yeah. i'll moderate a panel discussion and i'll contribute ideas to um, you know speakers and and different educational platforms uh, and then i cover the show so i'll cover new yeah. announcements and
0: are they are they worried about expos cuz it's kind of the the common thing everyone's saying every year it's like oh it's so much smaller and they're going away Everyone's saying that. Is that is that true?
2: No. So the ex- the the expo size may change, you know, from year to year. But there are a lot of things that we do at in the expo level, like with conferences and uh, you know photo walks. There's a lot that goes into the expo. Um, and in fact, as sort of the media landscape shifts, the person to person events, those are the kinds of things that are hardest to replicate online and hardest to get anywhere else. And they also take the most resources to produce. So that's sort of a I guess that sort of helps us in the market. We have the ability to bring hundreds of people together, photographers together, educators together, in one space, and you know, for the networking, the social aspect. So, yeah, I don't think I think conferences will be here for a while. They'll change how how they run. It will be changed. I think um, you'll see smaller events, more personal events. But I, I still think there's a really large role for that sort of in-person networking experience and being with your peers.
0: Yeah.
1: Can I say out loud that I really don't understand the concept of a photo walk? <laughs> I mean, can yeah. I can I put that on? Well have you ever <laughs> been, <laughs> been on one? No, I haven't. But it just boggles my mind. I think it's very bizarre. You I mean basically
0: that, you you just go somewhere, you stop at a bar, you get a drink, <laughs> and then you take an iPhone photo of your friend, and then you go That's to the next not a bar. Photo walk. It's no, not? No. What is that then? <laughs> That's just drinking. Oh. <laughs> it's called <For> Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. It's, well what's a photo walk? Have you been on one?
2: I've not. Do you ever go, go
0: on these?
2: I've seen them. I yeah. actually walked through one yesterday as they were spraying someone with uh, oil or something. Yeah, it's, with it's concert, in the middle. Right?
0: So, so there's a model in this. Or I thought. Usually are...
2: there's a model, um, and they just—it's a photographer, right, and ten other. I don't, know, I don't want to say wannabe photographers,
1: but people right. who are
0: chimping the same shot. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, right. That's what I don't understand about it. You've got, and sometimes th- those things can be big. You can have a hundred people or more all shooting the same model yeah all walking around I get a, get, I get a
0: big kick out of the guys walking around with the 7200s at these shows at the expos yeah, yeah. just <laughs> hanging around their neck the 7200
1: photographing They're the bro, model that's at one of the two.
0: <laughs> if you're, if you're listening and you
1: do that please there's, there's so much of that yeah. there is just too much of that It's yeah. <laughs> kind of horrendous so
0: what's that. next for you this week what What else do you have on the agenda
2: more WPPI meetings. And so there's a and there's a big camera show in Japan that kicked off today called CP+. Plus. Um, so there are a lot of product introductions coming from that. Um, so when we're done here, I'll be jumping online, following along with Were there any
0: big announcements this week?
2: Sony, Sony announced a new, uh, they announced the A7 III, so which will follow on to their sort of entry-level mm-hmm. full-frame mirrorless. Um, and Sigma announced that all their art lenses will be
0: uh, available on Sony e-mount. Right, so... Yeah. Pretty big news for that's, Sony. Yeah, shares. that's good. We talked with Sigma. What's your What's your take on how Sigma has changed in the last three to five years? The, cause before they were, you know, it was like, yeah, it's, it's the lens you get
1: when you really don't have a lot of money, right? But they've now I was they, like, boom. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: they've,
1: they've completely they changed their some... corporate profile. It's amazing what they've done.
2: Yeah, and they've been fairly aggressive. I mean, they expanded into cinema lenses, and, yeah. and now with the Sony lenses. Um, it's, I think they've changed the perception of third-party lens quality. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, you always had Zeiss and, and those really high-end lenses, but now what you can get, and this sort of goes back to what we were discussing in the beginning, like technology just brings better, technolo- uh, better capabilities into the hands of more people at lower price points, and I think Sigma's a real testament to that.
1: We talked about kind of the, the AI, the software side. What, what hardware companies are doing something that you think as a tech writer is really amazing like what company has it together i think so i mean this is a
2: cliche maybe by now but sony i think has it together i mean yeah. what they've been able to do in a fairly short amount of time um not simply just on the technology but just in the in the market adoption i mean they've they've grown in a market which is otherwise challenged i mean we right. talked about how um you know the camera market has shrunk over the years but Sony's grown in the face of that.
1: Well, they've built the market in many ways. They weren't in the professional camera market mm-hmm. for very... I mean, they've made tons of cameras, and they, you know, clearly with their sensors and televisions, everything in the world they make, they understand the you know, electronics and the technology side. But in a matter of very short order, they've become a pro-choice. Right, right,
2: which is not easy to do, because, I mean, you know, photographers have years' worth of lenses and just a comfort mm-hmm. level with a camera. So it, it, it takes a lot to switch, um, so it's it's to Sony's credit, and I think technology had a large part of that, um, their technology, their technical development in cameras. Um, I think Fuji is also another company that's done really well mm-hmm. uh, and have been very innovative, and and not just in, in digital but in film. I mean, they, they're sort of partially responsible for the sort of rebirth of instant
0: photography that we've yeah. seen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wasn't able to say I shoot film until I got an Instax, and now, <laughs> now, now you're just, a hipster. Yeah, kind of it, pathetic. I shoot, <laughs> well, I shoot getting film. getting called out. I shoot film. Bro, do you shoot film? Dude. Dude. I was winged on it. <laughs> do you? Are you nostalgic about that? Do you miss it? Yeah. Do you ever there, just want to go go through a
1: role? Yeah, there are times when I do. Um, and yeah. it's interesting because, um, you know, I've had access to a darkroom for a long, long time, and I haven't been in one in a long, long time. But I am nostalgic for it in that I'm, I loved that time I had in the darkroom. I mean, that was amazing. Um, to develop a role of film to, to then turn that into a silver print watch that happen um and really be a part of it you're so much a part of that process um that's it that's an incredible place to be and uh you feel very very connected to photography I think in some ways I probably feel less connected um to the images I make because it is digital and it moves very quickly and uh, I'm shooting things in so many components now and it's assemblage versus the actual um looking at a negative and really analyzing it and figuring out how i'm going to make the print and spending those hours in the darkroom but i don't miss all the chemicals
0: you don't miss getting high off the fixer
1: no <laughs> having it soak in your skin and because I was also one of those guys who was bad about you know using gloves or tongs and <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> there, there was that physical connection again and um yeah you wind up with dark fingernails because you've been sticking them in fixer and toners and that stuff is not healthy no it can't be probably why I have severe memory loss. <laughs> and then, where
2: does it go when you're done? Just down the drain?
1: Uh, not all of it. Uh, some yeah. of it does. Yeah, okay. developer and stop can go down the drain. Fixer cannot because it actually has uh, silver in it. Mm-hmm. As it, um, it as it is fixing the the print, silver is actually coming out to it. So you would save it and then actually send it to a place where they would reclaim the silver. They would pull the silver out of it, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But uh, yeah. Dark rooms are cool. We
0: should turn your office into a dark room.
1: I've got a dark room out at my mom's house. Oh, really? My That's office would be hard. It's all glass. That would be awesome. Think about trying to light-proof oh. that thing. That's all right.
0: We'll just get a Sharpie.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> very practical. Off the rails again. Yeah. So for someone that
0: doesn't shoot a lot and you're the technology editor, what has been the, the best technology this year that you have written about, Either, even if it's not photography specific related what's been like the new stuff that we need to pay attention to well
2: i saw a cool demo this is not something necessarily that you would, it's not practical for most photographers um but Hasselblad introduced a sort of a variant of their um, 100 megapixel medium format camera that can take a 400 megapixel image and um, they recently gave me a demo in new york city about how uh, Sort of just how pristine an image this can this can make, but also how sensitive it is. So, yeah. we were on the I think we were on the third or fourth floor of a New York office building, and there was construction happening about a block away, and just the the equipment moving that far away would shake the camera enough that it couldn't couldn't accurately take an exposure. So the, it's so sensitive. The really? technology is so sensitive. Why do we
0: need a 400 megapixel image?
2: So I uh, I put that question yeah, to the minute. I don't feel like we do. <laughs> It's mostly for museums that are digitizing yeah. um, artwork. Uh, to, they create these. Uh, each each file is 2.2 2 gigabytes, uh, like a 2.2-gigabyte 2. 2 TIFF.
1: And it's for mostly, like, museum work. Yeah, which actually is a huge section of the market. I was having a conversation last night with a guy from Face, and it's amazing. Uh, and I was saying to him, I, I've always been blown away by how much camera reps, even back in the 4x5 film days, um, they sell to museums. That is a colossal segment. Might even be the biggest segment in photography. How hmm. many museums are out there? Think about it, worldwide, and they all have to archive that stuff. Yeah, oh, and yeah. they all update their yeah. archives as technology gets better. They want better files to to you know, basically ensure the life of that artwork. I don't know. No, and
0: they're they're promoting it like we need it, not museums need it. I never see the ad like for museums. It's always like. <laughs> you need this shit. And it's like, no, I don't. I do not need this. No, need as a, a, as a product, yeah. as a food and product shooter, I
1: would not want 400 megapixels. Yeah, it's so it, way, I don't it, even want 100. Doesn't it have to,
0: it takes three images, right? It takes four. It takes four or six. Four or six.
2: Four or six. But they said museums have built custom rooms for the camera to sort of isolate it from any sort of environmental motion shock. or
0: have to a floating room. Even a print of the Mona Lisa. Why do we need it to be four hundred megapixels? Isn't it pretty good where we have it now? (laughs) Like, what do you need a file that big for? You gonna print it the size of the Eiffel Tower?
1: Preservation.
0: Isn't it preserved already? (laughs) This shit is already preserved
1: we've already <laughs> well, gotten enough
2: they, mix. they they were saying when they uh, they put when they install the camera the museum's will take artwork out that that hasn't been exposed to light or even the environment so you only have a, a minute amount of time like every 10 seconds out in oxygen reduces its lifespan by x number of years so they have to bring this stuff out digitize it and then put it away again and never to be you know
0: never to be exposed so they're it thinking just is throw it a... away at that point. <laughs> no,
1: you're talking about history. It's, a world. it's stuck
0: in a drawer. No one can see it. and We just see the. That's exactly megapixel. why
1: they're getting a 400 megapixel camera, so that yeah. it it can live beyond the drawer. There's already a
0: 100 in. megapixel camera that does a really good job. You don't need a 40 foot print, do
2: sure. you? So, where as a food photographer, where do you tap out on the megapixel? Like, is honestly, 50 I'm, in, enough?
1: I'm in the yeah, I'm in the 50 60 range. I just uh, I do not want personally that much more data. My clients are not uh, a, 60, a fifty or sixty megapixel file. I can blow up to a billboard, no problem. Um, I can do a stand up in you know for point of sale, no problem. Um, and you can do printer, you can do a clearly web, which so much of it is for social media these days that the clients need. I have personally do not have a need for a hundred megapixel camera, nor do I really want one. Hmm. I just think it's actually too much. I don't want to spend the money on the camera because it's not that cheap. Um, I don't want the data storage. Because on a you know on a food job uh, like if I'm shooting for craft or something we're doing a bunch of burgers um, I could shoot easily fifteen hundred frames in a week running a couple different sets um, just over the course of that week if I'm at a hundred megapixel file every time I've really added an enormous amount of data right um, and I'm also one of those photographers that I don't throw away a whole lot I tend to keep everything. Um, and when you look out over years, that gets to be a, a bit of a cost. So for me, no, 60 is good.
0: <laughs> so what do you think about the Hasselblad X one D the, the mirrorless that they came out with?
2: It was an incredible, an incredibly designed camera. Um, I tested it a little, um, and I was just really impressed that they were able to cram that kind of sensor into a body that that's small, that small. And that just well-built. It felt yeah. incredible. Um, it was interesting, when they were promoting that camera, they were sort of positioning it as the camera that you would migrate up to if you were shooting with a mirrorless camera or DSLR, mm-hmm. but it really didn't, it performs more like a medium format back, it's a lot more deliberate, it's a slower, uh, you know, slower to acquire focus. So it shoots like a medium format camera, but it's built like a mirrorless, uh, like a really compact mirrorless camera.
0: And didn't they, doesn't it shoot video too? It does, I think HD video. Yeah. Yeah, so to what, why, pretty why, even, why even add that feature in if it's going to be so basic?
1: So that something is there, and it's something to build on. But I, I actually think that's where innovation is going to come in camera bodies. I think personally that we are going to see medium format, basically DSLRs. That those larger sensors, um, the bigger glass, I think that the autofocus, I think that the functionality of the mirrorless medium format camera is going to get faster, and it's going to start to really compete, and maybe even... Um, have a serious dent in the DSLR market. That's my take. Yeah. Have you used the Fuji GF? I have not. I want to play with it, but I haven't used it
2: yet. That camera performs very much like a mirrorless camera or a DSLR in terms of its autofocus. Which Fuji are you talking about? The GFX 50S, their, their, their uh, medium format, format camera. Yeah. And I think that really is a step in, in the direction I wouldn't be surprised to see other people go. Yeah, It's a big investment in... Not really in the sensor technology because that's already out right. there, but it's the lenses. Um, it's a big commitment to.
1: But I don't know if I don't see. I think that that Hasselblad and Fuji could really start to to take parts away from Nikon and Canon, but I'm not sure that Nikon and Canon would ever produce a medium format. The
0: GFX 50S, sixty five hundred bucks. Can c- camera cool companies camera. start coming up with more creative ways to name their cameras? One XD, DX One. S1 but some, okay some of that is X. historical
1: because GFx was an in the GX that was an older Fuji camera. So the a lot of the
0: S com, like
1: well I don't know they're, what they're all
0: just them. slightly different. Of course. I, I think they should start naming them like Fred. I don't know like <laughs> Apple names their software like the Yosemite.
1: What if they gave the Fuji Yosemite? Names? Yeah. Like the, like the Fuji Fred.
0: Yeah. That would be cool as shit.
1: The Sony Gary.
0: Yo, I shoot the Sony Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. It would make our lives easier <laughs> writing about it. Yeah. <laughs> do you cover video at all? Or do you fo- A little, yeah. 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 So what do you think of the four K, six K, eight K? It's now I'm hearing that twelve K is really where it makes the biggest difference.
2: Eight <laughs> K is what I've been told is yeah. the is the is the big deal. Um No, it's funny, you know, four K there's still There still aren't a ton of 4K TVs and displays out there, so you know any most of the wedding photographers that I've spoken to at at the show, I always ask them, "Are you delivering your content in 4K or HD?" And they say it's almost always HD. Um, We can shoot, we'll capture it in 4K -hmm. and just have the benefits of you know a crop room, or um, but they always almost deliver in HD. Yeah. So I think 4K is the future.
0: Aren't all TVs now 4K? Can you even get a 1080 TV? I'm not sure. You I'm not know,
1: sure. We, just, we just were looking at TVs. We just bought another one. and it, I think everything was 4K. I don't even yeah, think Yeah, it's was
0: 4K. Any. Now it's HDR or um, who's doing a lot with – there's OLED. Uh, yeah, that's and like, I think OLED. HDR
2: yeah. is the more meaningful yeah. technological advancement versus 4K. I mean, if you've seen the HDR, the comparisons between an HDR picture and a 4K picture, the HDR picture is 10 times better.
0: Have you seen the TVs that are 3D that you don't need glasses for? Yeah, so at NAB, was I saw it?
2: an 8K. Um, it was, I think, Sharp did it, and they had four or five 60-inch 8K panels all together, and they were showing, so I think it was uh, some sort of sporting footage, and it was three-dimensional, and you could yeah, stand uh, right on top of the TV and not see pixels. Well, Red's,
0: Seriously. Yeah, it Red's was new phone. Uh, what Red's came out with the phone. What's, yeah, what's but it is, it, is it
1: actually out? I remember yeah, they announced it, it, but I don't know if it's, it's ever actually hit the streets. Yeah, so. I don't know.
0: But that screen itself, 3D, right? It's and a hologram, you, and you on. don't need. That's crazy.
1: That's straight out of Star Trek. Yeah. You that's
0: know. gonna be a good camera too, with all the lenses that are probably being made for it right now. The smartphone, the one, the Red smartphone. Yeah, yeah. What's? I've I never understood
2: I that. It. I don't see any of the, you know, those like variant smartphones that are not The, the, Hi- made the one. Hydrogen
0: One. I said it was supposed to ship last summer. I don't know what happened. They missed but that, they that day. They might have shipped it. I'll probably get it. Let's get one. You think you'll get, are you an early adopter to phones? No. Yeah. Um,
2: no, in fact, it's, it's ironic. I'm a, in almost all things, I'm a late adopter.
0: Are you an iPhone guy? or a... I'm an iPhone guy. So Blue text bubble. Shout out to blue text bubble. <laughs> Don't you hate it when you hit someone up and they're like, it's green, especially in a group chat? The one asshole has the, the green, Samsung. Right. and it turns everyone's <laughs> group chat into a nightmare, and it's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> That was maybe the smartest thing Apple ever did. iMessage, yeah, it so, got me hooked. I'll never. I will. I won't change my phone because of iMessage. Look at you, Apple. You what do you? Think, I agree. Or? I
2: actually f- totally agree with that. What I've do been, you think
0: of Apple's decision to go release the iPhone eight, skip the nine, and also release the ten?
2: And the ten isn't doing all
0: that well, according to. That's all right. What I iPad. mean, it, we've got them. I have Do you, the yeah. face recognition is a little annoying at some points, like especially when you're driving. It's like, weird. <laughs> your phone's mounted. I'm like, I'm driving like, trying to get my face down there. It's I think the totally size dangerous. of the X is
1: perfect. The size yeah. is great. Yeah. Um, I will say it's impressive, though, in terms of face recognition. It does. If I have my glasses on, no problem. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, that surprises me hmm. that, that you don't have an issue because when I set it up, I didn't have my glasses on. Um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's a phone. Have you shot in portrait mode with it, or the yeah, portrait? Light,
0: have you used yeah, portrait it, lighting? Half the time, it's bullshit, and it's just, it, it, it's trying to create the mask or, or uh, create bokeh, but it's like not adapting well with the hair or the background. So, like half the time, it's not a clean mask, and it doesn't look right. It does not look like the fucking ad campaign that they have. Hey, family like,
1: show, don't, don't use the. Effort. I'm sure I get emotional. I, 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 about you know Apple. what? I will tell you that ad campaign. The first time I saw it, I was like, "Wow, those are some amazing images." Yeah, and then yes. it's like iPhone selfie. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. Um, I was impressed by that ad. Were you impressed by that? I'm not impressed by anything Apple's doing
0: right now, oh. but I will keep buying their shit.
1: You're you're I a harsh know. Apple. We just critic.
0: got the iMac Pro. We just got four iMac Pros for our editors. oh, was it the uh, the five K iMac Pro? Yeah, was it five yeah. K screen? But didn't get it for the five K. We we got it for the ten gigabit Ethernet connection that now it attaches to our G-Rack from g Tech, so it just allows for live editing and mm-hmm. it's just a very clean workflow um, and it's fast as shit because before you know we're direct attached storage so all mm-hmm. of our editors have to they're just spending and wasting a lot of time copying large blocks of like eight, ten 10 terabyte blocks of media mm-hmm. now it's one spot
2: it's good it is it's good did you have the sure. trash can before
1: that? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trash can, coffee can. Yeah, right. Those yeah. are not good nicknames for a computer. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, if you get the name Trash Can. <laughs> yeah, you're very right.
0: <laughs> It's I, I kind of like it, the trash can, you know. Well, anyway, uh, Greg, we were, yeah. thanks for coming by. Thank yeah, you for Yeah, it was a good, good podcast.
2: Where do you want
1: people to go check out your work?
2: You can go to uh, pdnonline.com and rangefinderonline.com. That's
0: can you, you to subscribe find. to your uh, articles? Is there a way to? You can follow me on Twitter. At Greg Scobletti. How do you spell that?
2: Uh, G-R-E-G-S-C-O-B-L-E-T-E.
1: It really does sound like a pasta.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's delicious. right? Greg
1: Scoblety. (laughs) Scoblety. (laughs) Serving fresh articles daily.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. With a side of
1: marinara. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Thanks again. Uh, Appreciate your time. Thanks for Uh, having me. Good luck for the rest of the week. I know it's a little bit of a workout. We're halfway through it. Yeah, we'll yeah. got there yeah. more IPAs it will be fine To <laughs> so download this podcast and all of season 6 at WPPI hit us up at rggedu you can also subscribe for free on iTunes Google Stitcher and SoundCloud mm-hmm. and Rob's working on the MySpace
1: page yeah we're gonna get that up and we're running it's gonna be hot <laughs> it's
0: gonna be hot
1: <laughs> I'm not kidding you Gary I'm serious about this
0: yeah alright <laughs> it's coming
1: back thanks Greg this podcast is officially over. See you next time.
0: For those of you who might not know what we're doing on Black Friday, should we tell them? No. Let's tease them. Let's
1: give them a little idea. Let's give them a... A glimmer of hope.
0: Okay, so at RGGEDU, we focus on revealing the secrets from working pro photographers and retouching in the industry to give you a leg up on the competition. And why
1: is that? Is it because we believe that the best education comes from those who are working pros?
0: Absolutely, Rob. And we believe that you shouldn't have to go to two to four year school to learn this education.
1: No. No. Because that's crazy expensive. It's fun, but it's crazy expensive.
0: So we're making photography education accessible to the entire world at RGGEDU.com. And this Black Friday, we're doing something. We're making an offer so great that we can't even mention
1: it. No, we can't. This, microphone, blow your mind.
0: this microphone would explode if I even thought about it. That's heavy. Go to RGGEDU.com right now. You can sign up anywhere and we will alert you about the Black Friday deals this November 23rd, 2018.
1: Should we sing our jingle? Yeah. Do you finally have a jingle? R-G-G-E-D-U dot com.